Hello and uh, welcome to the Elin Bubush talk online. You may know due to COVID-19 we can't meet physically so this is an attempt to uh, minister uh, digitally um, even though we can't be together um, physically. Um, it's Mother's Day um, so happy Mother's Day uh, to all you mothers out there and all the ladies in our congregation that um, act uh, so kindly and generously to the rest of us. Um, I just wanted to spend a few moments uh, exploring the issue of uh, uh, motherhood today. So uh, while some of us may be suspicious uh, about Mother's Day and it's a conspiracy to get us to buy uh, more greeting cards it seems to be a really uh, good thing to celebrate mothers, uh, even in the church. You see, right from the start, mothers are applauded in the scripture, for they are crucial to God's incredible plan at the beginning in Genesis for humanity to be fruitful and to cover the whole earth. And, and, and certainly mums are right in the middle of that. But Today I want to go beyond that and suggest mums and mothers amongst us have a profound significance uh, for us beyond merely just being uh, sort of incubators uh, for new life. For a start, um, in 1 Timothy 2, uh, Paul makes this uh, strange statement and he says, but women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love and holiness um, with propriety and that's in 1 Timothy 2 verse 15. So Paul makes clear that everywhere else in his writings that eternal security comes by God's grace through faith. So the question is what is he saying here if he's not saying that women will actually be saved through childbearing? What's he conveying? Well it seems that Paul is trying to say that women um, who live out their lives as mothers, uh, live out the awesome attributes of salvation when they bring up children. When women become mothers, they work out their salvation in, in fear and trembling practically and conspicuously through endurance, faithfulness and kindness. The act of raising children uh, brings to the fore all these attributes um, that we know are uh, pointers towards someone being saved. So being a mother is this wonderful and uh, real life illustration of what a true believer looks like. You want to know what a believer looks like? Look at a good mum. And there are so many examples of women in this role um, in scripture, we find uh, uh, Sarah uh, doing some great things as the uh, um, the wife of uh, Abraham, a mother to children. We find uh, the wife of Isaac, Rebecca, being a, a great mother in, in different uh, moments. We find Hannah, of course, the uh, the mum of Samuel, and this great prayer and, and person who sort of presses in for her boy and uh, we find uh, Elizabeth the mother of John the Baptist his elderly mum who who uh, is just um, overwhelmed by the blessing and uh, 
you'll find um, in Paul's writings that um, his uh, spiritual sort of child, uh, Timothy, has her real-life mum called Eunice, which um, is obviously uh, a blessing to Timothy. And there are lots of different moments in Scripture of this, but today I want to focus on another mother. Uh, I want us to focus on Jesus' own uh, mother, Mary, Um for she has a great story that that is perfect for our purposes this morning. Uh, In this mother's story, we find the Christian qualities Paul admires that are demonstrations of a genuine faith. Um, And in her, uh, we find qualities that we can all aspire to and do well to embrace. Because if we're like Mary in this, um, we, we're showing that Jesus lives in our hearts, that uh, that we love him, um, and that he has changed how we behave. If you look at the beginning of Luke's Gospel, we find there that there a young peasant girl is confronted by this, this spiritual being, this glorious angel, this creature that inspires wonder, and, and it in his presence we're told that um, she is given this message that she will conceive and give birth to a king but not just an ordinary king but a king whose reign will never end and and obviously this appearance and this message inspires all manner of questions and you can imagine the uh, young lady being uh, mind going to overdrive she tries to process it and despite all the difficulties that bombard her all the uh, conversations she has with herself she says these beautiful and heart-rending words i am the lord's servant may it be to me as you have said i'm not sure in all of scripture it is possible to find a more perfect response to god's intrusion than this of all the different godly people that have replied uh, to God's interruption in life these are uh, uh, truly great words and as a prospective mother as someone that looks forward to it she gives in there is this act of surrender as Um, She allows God's will, not her own, to um, drive forward her life. And and for Mary, this happens in uh, incredibly real uh, terms. So we find that her body is going to swell and it's going to ache and uh, it's going to be profoundly uncomfortable. Suddenly her own skin is not going to be quite her own skin. And um, if you know anything uh, about pregnant ladies, you will know. Um, all the things um, uh, that she's in for and we know that she will endure harsh accusations from those that that know her domestic situation know that um, she hasn't sort of been formally uh, married to Joseph and and yet here she is uh, pregnant and with child and and then there are these nine months that she has to endure these uh, and carry this baby and then at the end of it all, there are those unparalleled pains of childbirth, uh, perhaps uh, without the modern anaesthetics that we enjoy today. But 
just the pain and turmoil of childbirth and that um, hope uh, that there will be life at the end because uh, uh, sort of dying in childbirth has been such a common thing for humanity. Um, but it doesn't even end there um, because with the baby um, being born, she faces all the other difficulties that young mums face. She, for instance, faces the indignities and, uh, and worries of, of breastfeeding and then she would share her body, that's been her own, uh, she would share it entirely with this newborn, with this newborn that she didn't ask for or plan and her body, her time and all that she owns would be devoted to this new life. And suddenly, all the other plans, perhaps of becoming a high-flying lawyer or a, or, or a doctor or a dentist, everything else suddenly becomes second to the lifelong service to this son. It's a, a truly remarkable thing to, to, to consider and behold. Mary surrenders everything, her entire future, which by all accounts was a, a, a long time for she was probably quite young, um, she surrenders it all for the love of her God and for the love of this baby. Um, and this surrender that we see in Mary is true for all mothers who give up everything for love for their children. It's something you see time and time again and it's easy to take for granted, but it, it is something special and, and something to celebrate. And as I recount the trials of Mary particularly in mothers generally, I want to find there a picture of what serving God is like. You see, devotion to God is very similar. It involves perpetual, practical inconvenience and physical self-denial. It, it involves suddenly the self coming under the uh, care of the other. In 1 Corinthians 7.22, um, Paul tells us that we are not our own, but are slaves of Christ. And so we find again in the Bible, there's this, there is this picture of, of service, of devotion, of, of self-denial for the other. And, and so Christian believers, like mums, like Mary, uh, we're taught to relinquish every right and privilege we imagine we have and and the world would tell us that we have got so many rights that we need to stand up for and grasp and and hold and and uh this is counters that and so instead we sacrifice we sacrifice our comfort for agony we sacrifice indulgence for pain and and we look to serve and profit others for their sake and for Christ's sake and, and not for our own. And and this is a, a discipline and a reality that, that confronts the Christian for the, their entire uh, life of their faith. And, and we continually ask ourselves, how can we nourish and mature others rather than seek our own benefit in, in today's world? How can we ensure others are okay? Um, during this time of COVID-19, rather than stockpile uh, 
toilet paper and, and, and tin food in our cupboards. And, and so suddenly morality drives our actions rather than ease. And so in every situation, we, we quiet these natural urges that spring up to put ourselves first. And we ask the Holy Spirit, what is the right thing to do? How can we serve in the situations and contexts we find ourselves? And so, figuratively speaking, our breasts sag, stretch marks develop, and our eyes are framed by bags of tiredness. And there is this realisation our work is never done, that we continue with it. Um, and so our faces, our bodies and our histories proclaim that we live these lives of servanthood rather than being little kings. But we embrace this, not wearily, but happily, and more because of a joy of a different magnitude. There's a joy to be had in, in looking after yourself and pampering yourself, but, but there is another joy, a greater joy, that we look forward to. Hebrews 12 2 says this in the message translation keep your eyes on jesus who both began and finished this race we're in study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed that exhilarating finishing and with god he could put up with anything along the way the cross shame whatever and so we read that jesus knew this truth we know that mary knew it i suggest today that Mothers know it and uh, there is a prompt for us from all these examples for us to know it too. So I want us to leave behind for a moment this scene of a mother raising an infant child and, and move on. You see, while Joseph is disappears from the Gospels, he's not sort of mentioned in it in any way after Jesus's birth other than being Jesus's uh, sort of uh, father figure in the family his mother appears again and again in the text um, for instance it says this in John chapter 2 verse 1 um, three days later there was a wedding in the village of Cana in Galilee Jesus's mother was there Jesus and his disciples were guests also. When they started running low on wine at the wedding banquet, Jesus' mother told him, they're just about to run out of wine. Jesus said, is that any of our business, mother, yours or mine? This isn't my time, don't push me. She went ahead anyway, telling one of the servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Now six stoneware pots were there. Used by the Jews for ritual washings and each held 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus ordered the servants, fill the pots with water and they filled them to the brim. Now fill your pitchers and take them to the host, Jesus said, and they did. When the host tasted the water that had become wine, he didn't know what had just happened, but the servants of course knew. He called out to the bridegroom, everybody I know begins with their finest wines and after the guests have had their fill, brings in the cheap stuff. But you, you've saved the best till now. This act in Cana of Galilee was the very first sign Jesus gave, the first glimpse of his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Ever since angels, the angel's announcement to Mary, uh, Mary knew something of Jesus' significance. Um, and ever since the shepherds visited, in, in, as told in Luke chapter 2, we find 
Mary inwardly marvelling at her son, looking at him, not just with those eyes of a mother, but with the eyes of someone that knows something more is going on. And I imagine over Jesus' life that Mary looked at him constantly for subtle clues of his destiny, looking out, catching up on slight whispers and gives of Jesus's true divine nature and and as they attended this wedding there's this social tragedy of the wine running dry it doesn't seem perhaps too big a deal in the 21st century but it was obviously a a, a big deal then and there's this real humiliation in in store for the host and, uh, and perhaps a moment of uh, shame and bad reputation and and Mary on on this social nicety points this out to her son perhaps she'd prodded him before um when she thinks the high king of heaven should do something perhaps it's happened that she's seen something and said jesus this is something that your divinity could help with and so she does it at this wedding and and jesus replies it's not yet time to be revealed you know hold on mum Mary knows her son. She knows his true nature. She actually conspires against him and and instructs the servants, despite Jesus's protests, to look out for his instruction and to do what he says. And, And Jesus relents, perhaps due to a deep affection for his mum, perhaps um, some other profound or divine reason. He relents and his mum seems to get her way. And it's easy to imagine Jesus' mother standing slightly out of the scene, slightly off to the side while this miracle happens and her tears welling up in her eyes as she sees this man who she's looked after for so long, who she's kept in her breast the promise the angel gave to her. At last, the magnificence of her son was being whispered to the world. And this woman, perhaps already widowed because of Joseph's absence from the text, perhaps tired from motherhood, she is the one that is there for Jesus' first miracle, for the very first time that the mask slips and his nature as God the Son shines out. And just as Mary encouraged her son in this moment, Mary's mothers around the world spare their children on to grow and develop and they believe in them and help them. And it happens everything from those first steps to potty training to education and marriage and so much more. Mothers encourage and believe and push. And dear friends, let us remember this great illustration, this example of Mary this wider observations of mothers and and there is a call for us to encourage each other in the same way now Hebrews chapter 10 says this he always keeps his word and let's see how inventive we can be encouraging love and helping each other out not avoiding worshipping together as some do but spurring each other on especially as we see the big day approaching and so there is this call that our troubles don't dominate our mind, that we don't become preoccupied with ourselves, but our ambitions fade 
and not to command our destinies, but to look at our brothers and sisters around us in Christ particularly and cheer them on and and tell them that this Christ is coming again, that he won a great victory for them and that they can do the things through Christ that enables them. And so let us be also aware of, of those who suffer and, and inspire them once again, those who struggle and uh, um, uh, stumble and once again say you can do it, move forward through him who strengthens you. And there is this call from this to visit their homes, to help people make even the smallest steps forward, to pray for them and practically help them. And, and in this age where we're all stuck at home, um, there are lots of different ways. And, and sometimes we have to be inventive and sometimes we have to do new things. But uh, the call to help others is no real, no less real now than it was uh uh than yesterday and there is a call to chide the apathetic and the content those that think that reach there you know um look mum i can tie my shoelaces i don't have to do any more and the mum of course doesn't just want that and and there is a call for us to inspire and call each other to be braver and bolder in our good deeds to spur each other on to greater demonstrations of love and and partner with people in new adventures and excite them to new heights of service to do ever increasing things of of goodness to those around us and so let us lift on our shoulders those that go from strength to strength and be their cheerleaders and those uh, applauding from the side and so may we um, cheer from someone else's first steps with knowing Jesus to their baptism and to their a fuller maturity and even to their dying gasp where we look out and promote one another as uh, Mary and the mothers do. So Mary knew this truth. Mothers know this truth so often. And I yearn for us all to know it each. Finally, as we consider Mary, the mother of adult Jesus, we can't but be drawn to the cross. You know, as a community, we're stuck in our own homes and uh, uh, Resurrection Sunday uh, looms. And we shouldn't let this uh, lack of opportunity to meet on that Sunday kind of robbers of its joy and uh, it's why if you look on the website we've got this 25 day reading plan to sort of uh, go through and, and, and hopefully as a community discuss it perhaps at the uh, uh, Zoom seminar and uh, uh, the prayer meeting and, and over Facebook and whatever other methods we think um, because it is uh, crucial to this faith that we enjoy and Jesus's death is not an interruption in Jesus's life it's not a a, a, um, a harsh end to something that was going to blossom but that cross was Jesus's purpose and goal he had that in mind throughout his life and before the joy of the resurrection and it is a glorious thing to uh, enjoy uh, Mary Mary would have to face 
unimaginable grief. Listen to this in John chapter 19, verse 60. Pilate caved in to their demand. He turned Jesus over to be crucified and they took Jesus. Carrying his cross, Jesus went out to the place called Skull Hill. The name in Hebrew is Golgotha, where they crucified him. And with two others, one on each side, Jesus in the middle. And Pilate wrote a sign and had it placed on the cross. And it read, Jesus, the Nazarene, the king of the Jews. And many of the Jews read the sign because the place where Jesus was crucified was right next to the city. And it was written in Hebrew, Latin and Greek. And the Jewish high priest objected, don't write. They said to Pilate, the king of the Jews, make it. This man said, I am the king of the Jews. And Pilate said, what I have written, I have written. When they crucified him, the Roman soldiers took his clothes and divided them up four ways to each soldier a fourth. But his robe was seamless, a single piece of weaving. So they said to themselves, let's not tear it up. Let's throw dice to see who gets it. And this confirmed the scripture that said they divided up my clothes among them and threw dice to my coat. The soldiers validated the scriptures. While the soldiers were looking after themselves, Jesus's mother, his aunt, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene stood at the foot of the cross, and Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved standing near her. And he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. And then to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that moment, the disciple accepted Mary as his own mother. As we remember Jesus' death, we get to be captivated again by the violence and the injustice all the people that failed Jesus because they didn't stand up for him we find Jesus betrayed by one of his closest friends Judas we find Peter denying he ever knew him and and we find uh, uh, many other time legging it at the moment that Jesus needed the most and there's this great sense of betrayal and hurt and harsh treatment and yet Mary and these other women these other women that Jesus had touched and looked on and cared for and honoured. They were there at his death, looking upon him, mourning and grieving, but with him. And as with other moments in Mary's life, it's not difficult to imagine Mary's grief and sorrow as her son. The one that angel pronounced great hope for died terribly, tortuously on that cross. No parent should have to bury their children. None. But thankfully Luke has not finished with our Mary yet because in Acts chapter 1 it says this, as they watched Jesus was taken up and disappeared in a cloud and they stood there staring into the empty sky. Suddenly two men appeared in white robes and they said, you Galileans, why do you stand here looking at an empty sky? This very Jesus who was taken up from among you into heaven will come as certainly as mysteriously as left. So they left the mountain called Olives and returned to Jerusalem and it was over half a mile and they went to the upper room they had been using as a meeting place and Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James and son of Alaphius, Simon the Zealot, Judas son of James were there and they agreed they are in this for good completely together in prayer and you know what the women were included too also Jesus's mother Mary and his brothers and wonderfully we discover Mary amongst the disciples waiting 
for the Holy Spirit. This faithful lady had endured Jesus's lifelong story. And even though she'd seen him die, she waited. She waited for this spirit to come after he had ascended to the right hand of the Father. She waited for this promise that this story was not ended. This is one tough, godly old lady. Now, Mary isn't mentioned again, but Luke's words assure us, I think, that she too was filled with the Spirit. She was there when the Holy Spirit came and tongues of fire settled on the heads. And mothers all over the world continue to be advocates of their children through thick and thin, even when appearances suggest nothing's going to happen. Dear friends, we would do well to be inspired by this irrepressible faith. We would do well to endure every hardship that comes our way and still be found hoping. You see, we now understand surrender and that hardship is inevitable as Christ's slaves, as his people. And so we don't depend on visible signs for encouragement. We don't rest our future activity on what uh, happens today we rest our faith on the fact that our creator has come and lived among us and died for us and risen again like Mary like mothers everywhere we look to Jesus with anticipation in season and out of season we passionately participate in this faith When the whole world discredits his work, we stick by Jesus because we know he wins. When they mock and crucify Jesus, we stand at his feet and we declare our devotion nonetheless because we know the ending. Like Mary, we look on Jesus and know despite everyone else, despite all um, the apparent evidence that he will come good in the end. Like Mary, if we stand by him, our trust will be rewarded and our faithfulness will be celebrated. Mary knew this. Mothers around the world know this same tenacity. And this. And today I yearn for us all to know this truth too. Let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the example of Mary. We thank you that she lived out her faith through her motherhood and is a great example to us we are grateful on this mother's day for our own mothers and those that acted as mothers to us that cared for us that cheered for us that sacrificed all manner of personal convenience for our sake and we thank you for them and we pray uh, uh, for their uh, health and for their um, well-being and uh, Lord God I pray today that we would um, take on the example of these mothers and know truly through attitude and experience what it is to follow you in a deep and profound sense and uh, Lord God as we continue to live with this COVID-19 um, apparition over us that you would help us live wisely um, and keep us healthy and uh, Lord God I pray Uh, that this trial will be over as soon as possible, that we would learn what we need to through it, and that we would be reunited very soon. 
Lord God, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.